Thank you for joining us today. Now that Christmas is over, Pastor Rander challenges us with a life-changing question. How will we live after Christmas Day? The fact that we are able to hear today's message tells us that God has extended His grace to us in a new year, an opportunity to live for Him on earth and ultimately with Him eternally in heaven. Will we do what we've always done? Or will we commit ourselves to consistently seek God, hear God, trust God, and obey God? The Bible instructs us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. Without Him, we can do nothing. With Him, nothing shall be impossible. We must be totally committed to Him, just as He is totally committed to us. He's given us another chance. What will we do with it? Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy. I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit tells you no, that's a sweet answer. When the Holy Spirit says no, accept this no, because that no is a blessing. He's looking out for you. He knows what's best for you. Amen? And this, just like the Holy Spirit forbids, number four, the Holy Spirit also permits. He permits you to do certain things. In Acts chapter 16, verse 10, it says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There, the Holy Spirit permitted Paul to preach the gospel in this particular location. He permits, he denies one way, and then he permits in another instance. So sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes the Holy Spirit says wait because he, he is omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. Uh, number five, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks, he talks, the devil talks too. And the reason so many people get in trouble, particularly Christians, they spend too much time talking to the devil or talking to satanically inspired people. The reason Eve got in trouble is he spent too much time talking to the devil instead of talking to God. You know, when you talk to the devil, you, you are in a, you headed for trouble. You headed, and the devil can speak through a lot of people, influential people. The devil can speak through the media, uh, the family members. The devil can speak through anybody and, uh, to trip you up and to mess you up and to get you out of sync. The Holy Spirit speaks. Uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 29 says, the Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. That is the Holy Spirit giving concise instruction, clear instructions. Go to that chariot. The Spirit told Philip, you see, told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near. In Acts 10, 19, it says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, how the Spirit talked, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Before they came, he said, Simon, three men are looking for you. In Acts 13, 2, the scripture says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit talks, and you ought to want to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Number six, oh, what is the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers? The Holy Spirit comfort us. Sometimes you come into God's church downtrodden. Sometimes you come in discouraged or depressed. Sometimes you're grieving. We're grieving the death of loved ones. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us and comfort us. 
You know what he does? He teaches us. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He will teach you. He will, he will give you spiritual insight. The Holy Spirit will let you in on certain things. Other folks say, I don't understand. You say, I understand. Why? Because you have revelation from God. He comforts, he teaches, and brings all things to your remembrance. He'll remind you of things you need to say to a particular person. Could be a parent, a child, a grandchild, a co-worker, or whomever in your business or whatever. The Holy Spirit will remind you of certain things to help you in your business, to help you with your children, to help you in life's journey, to help you not do a good thing the wrong way. John 14, 26 says, but the advocate of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have told you. Sometimes you worry about what you're going to say, what I'm going to say. You're intimidated by certain people. And a lot of times you just need to wait on the Lord and trust him to speak. And the Holy Ghost will speak and tell you what to say right before that judge or right in the midst of a staff meeting or right in the midst of your family. The spirit will give you revelation and say, here's what God has just told me. And number seven, the Holy Spirit emboldens. He emboldens. Acts chapter one, verse eight, the Holy Spirit emboldens. Acts 1, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He empowers us. The word power there, dunamis, we'll fill with power from on high, power from God. To what? We don't get this power to stay in a closet. We don't get this power to sit and do nothing. God doesn't power us to be lazy and slow of heart. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to move at his beckoning call to do his bidding to the glory of Almighty God. Beloved, God does not empower us to retreat and stay in a closet. God does not empower us to be afraid and to keep our mouth shut when everyone else is speaking their opinions, when everybody else is speaking their feelings, and when everybody else is speaking their viewpoints. In light of the injustice against George Floyd, which has the whole world and whole nation outraged, resulting in protests, riots, destructions of property, and defiance of authority, Pastors, preachers, Christians must stand up. We must speak up and be a voice of truth in the midst of this upheaval and turmoil. Right now, we don't need a political speech. We don't need a social speech. We need the gospel truth permeating this world to the glory of almighty God. Why don't you say amen? That's what we need. We need, where are the voices today? I'm hearing, I'm hearing devilish voices. I'm hearing satanic voices. I'm hearing loud voices. But where is the voice of God speaking to people? With that being said, what does God expect us to do? What does God expect us as Christians to do? God has me here to give you a right perspective on things and not bark up the wrong tree. Sometimes you can be, passionately wrong about something uh, to do a good thing the wrong way. So let me, let me give you something that you can pass on to those who are talking and you need to be able to speak truth in the midst of confusion. What does God require? What does he expect of us to do 
What does he expect us to do as Christians? Number one, God expects us to give people divine guidance through the word of God. That's right. God wants us to use the word and give divine guidance. People in the midst of all this anger and hurt and pain and disruption, people are in need of hearing the word of God. First Peter 3 Chapter 3, verse 15 says, but sanctify, means set yourself apart. Sanctify the Lord. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And always, look, and always be ready to give a defense, an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. God's word has an answer. And he says, be ready to give the answer and stop talking like everybody else. You have to talk righteously. You have to talk kingdom. You have to, you have to talk with substance and depth, of spiritual depth to the glory of Almighty God. God expects his people to give divine guidance through the word of God when people are in an uproar, people are mad, when people are out of control and have lost their minds because of their madness. Secondly, what does God require of us as Christians? Uh, what is unfolding before our eyes is what happens when we take Christ out of society. What is unfolding right before our eyes is what happens when we take Christ out of our society. This is what happens when you take Christ out of the culture, when you take Christ out of the schools, when you take Christ out of the government. It leaves us doing that which is right in our own eyes. This person does what is right in his eye, and the next person does right what is right in their eye. Everybody's doing what is right, and it's just confusion. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a, to a man, but its end is the way of destruction. Some people think it's right to, to torch police cars and but burn up buildings and you notice they burn them up and burning up stuff in their own neighborhoods and when all is said and done done well where will the Walgreens be in their neighborhood where's the target what what they gonna do when everything settles down they're gonna look up and everything is ash pile you think they're gonna turn around and build it tomorrow it, it, it'll be a while and we we have to keep the main thing the main thing and deal with the issues of life without losing control of ourselves I mean, God wants us to be the finest of representatives on earth. We are ambassadors. We're not to be like the world. There is a way that seems right to a man, but his end is the way of death. Number three, we must not allow our faith to take a back seat to our politics. We must not allow our faith to take a back seat to our politics. Some of you have allowed your politics to run ahead of what you believe about, believe about Christ. Some of you are more comfortable talking about politics than you do Christ. The world would not be changed through politics. The White House, Congress, Senate, the Senate, Supreme Court, governors, mayors, and so forth. Don't get so political-minded that your politics go ahead of your faith until you look more political then you do a Christian. Oh, look how quiet it got there. If, if I'm telling the truth, won't you say the biggest amen out there? Yeah. I'm going to say it again until you get it because the media has messed some of y'all up. That's your problem. You're in the media too much. Get out. You're immersed in the media. We must not allow 
our faith to take a back seat to our politics. When you do, you, you're focusing on, focusing on something that's temporal and passing away. No politics in heaven. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you, were you a Democrat or a Republican? Come on. We must refuse to live by what the media is saying, what the politicians are saying, what the polls and the pundits are saying. We must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not on the things of this world that are temporal and passing away. And you know why some of you get so quiet now is because you got so much of this stuff in you until you need some spiritual castor oil to be flushed out so you can even hear. You can't even say amen when you hear the truth because you love that stuff because that's all you talk about. And somebody tell you, talk about John 1, 1, and your mouth is closed. Can't even elaborate on John 3, 16. But oh, when politics come, oh, you just run off at the mouth. You're a professional at that. Oh, God, help me to preach this message. Number four, what does God require of us? It is okay to be angry, but our anger must not lead us to sin, destruction of property, destruction of lives and a disrespect for authority. Did you get that? Okay. It is okay to be angry. We ought to have a righteous indignation. There's some things out of, when I saw that man's knee, that police knee on that man's neck and he said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And, and saw that man's life just, just leave him like that. That, that, that ought to make all of us have a righteous indignation. I, I don't condone that. That is evil, and we need to call it for what it is. It is okay to be angry, but our anger must not lead us to sin, destruction, destruction of property, to make a point, destruction of lives, uh, and torching cars and all this, and a disrespect for authority. You got to be patient. You got to give God room to work. God is on the throne, and just don't move with the masses. You move with Jesus. Even Jesus had a righteous indignation. Ephesians 4, 26a says, be angry and do not sin. That's what's happening all around us in all these cities, all over the nation. Their anger is moving them to sin. They're defacing stuff, marking up stuff, cussing out folk, hitting folk, slapping, throwing rocks and injuring police and all of this uh, to make things right. Let me tell you something. In the end, all that makes is more pain and more suffering. Ephesians 4, 26a says, be angry and do not sin. Christians must not be like the world and be led by your emotions. Your emotions will get you in trouble. You better be led by the Holy Spirit. If you are led by your emotions, you will lose your kingdom purpose and you will lose your spiritual perspective. When you're led by your emotions, you will lose your kingdom purpose and you'll lose your kingdom spiritual perspective. Number five, Christians must be courageous. Christians must be courageous. This is no time for wimpy Christians. Did you hear what I said? This is no time for wimpy Christians. First Corinthians 16, 13 says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith in what you believe about Jesus. Be courageous. Stand up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared to come to church because of the virus. Don't be afraid to come to church because of what's going on in society. Don't be a chicken. Stand up. Don't be a turkey. <laughs> 
Stand up and be courageous. The scripture says, be strong. Be strong. Let's say it together. Be strong. Be strong. Oh, yeah. oh some of y'all weak. You can't even say it. Be strong. Be strong. Oh, that's still kind of that's still kind of weak. Be strong. Come on. Be strong. Yeah, you got we have those masks on. It's muffling everything up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my be strong. Weak folk get very little done. Number six, we are witnessing. We are witnessing the devastating consequences of racial prejudice. And this is why God speaks so strongly against hate. We are witnessing. Do you hear what I just said? We are witnessing the devastating consequences of racial prejudice. And this is why God speaks so strongly against hate. First John chapter three, verse 16 says, first John three sixteen says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. My friends, hate is a terrible thing and God likens hate to murder, to murder. Uh, we are all made in the image of God, whether we are black, white, Hispanic, whatever we are, whatever country we are, whatever language you speak, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We all descended from Adam and Eve. We all came from the same blood, Adam and Eve, and we, we inherited the sin nature of our first parents who fell into sin, and we inherited that sin nature. Hate is a horrible thing. Hey, you can't get to heaven hating. You're to love folk. And when you, you get to the point of hate, hate is always of the devil. And you find yourself acting out of character. You lose your reputation. You lose your integrity. You end up locked behind bars because of hate. Hate will destroy you. It will make you sick. It'll give you migraines. It'll take your sleep away. It'll make you hurt people. It'll make you get even. There is absolutely nothing to gain from a spirit of hate. It has no place in the church. So if the, if the church is racist, then what hope has the world? They need to take note of love by seeing love in action with the racist working together in the unity of the spirit in the house of God to the glory of God. You ought to get a glimpse of heaven from looking at how we interact and love each other in the unity of the spirit. We all have dignity. We all have worth to the glory of God. We all have value. And we need to treat each other that way to the glory of God. And it needs to be taught in the house of God. It's too little of this taught in the house of God. Number seven, we must not be afraid to speak truth to those who are in power and authority. If the president is wrong, we, we ought to say it like it is. The senator, the Congress, Supreme Court, or whomever, uh, the mayor, uh, the, the county commissioner, whoever's wrong, we ought to call it out. If it's sinful, it's evil, we ought to call it for what it is. That's what Jesus did. We must not be afraid to speak truth to those who are in power and authority. Luke chapter 3 verse 19 says, but when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, John rebuked Herod who was a powerful man. And John put his life on the line to call Herod uh, 
call out Herod for his heinous sin. And because of that, uh, John the Baptist was beheaded for, for, for speaking truth to power. I said, when you tell the truth, it may cost you your life. You tell the truth, it may cost you your job. You tell the truth, things may not go well. But God says, if I'm for you, I'm more than the whole world against you. Christians must spend more time instead of downrating and talking about leaders of our nation. Christians must spend more time praying for those in authority than speaking negatively against them. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get choked now. If you spend as much time praying for your leaders than speaking negatively against them, uh, I, I, tr- listen, the country would be a better country. You know why the country, our leadership and our nation can't get any better? Because we talk as bad about the leaders of our country as unsaved folk do. That's right. If somebody in office from the president on down you don't like, uh, it's best you pray for them. And, and, and that's right. You'd be better praying them out. Now, if you can't pray for them, God will give you four more years to pray for them. <laughs> Some of y'all finna start praying real fast. <laughs> okay, don't pray. God says, all right, you don't know how to pray for the man. I'm going to give you four more years to pray. You didn't learn. You didn't learn to pray. You didn't learn. You didn't learn. You didn't learn. You didn't learn. What if you want to affect change in society? Pray for them. Pray folk in, you pray for them out. There's power in prayer. You pray for, no, listen, prayer, prayer will shape up anybody. Prayer, prayer, prayer will, listen, nobody's beyond saving. When was the last time you said pray for that, uh, say, Lord, save that sinner. Save the president. Save the vice president. If they're not already saved, save this person. Save that person. Save, save them all. Save them, Lord. Deal with them, Lord. Don't let them do what they want to do. F- fix it, Lord. Hold their hands back. Spank them, Lord. Do whatever. To- Save our country, Lord, by not letting them have their way. Oh, oh that no good rascal look there. He go again, putting his foot in his mouth. Yabba, 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 dabba, do. You know, you need to pray for those in authority. First Timothy chapter two, verses one through two says, I urge Then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. He says, I urge you, first of all, to petition prayers of intercession, interceding for the president, interceding for the Congress, interceding for the House, interceding for the Senate, Interceding for all those in authority to the glory of God. Some of you got dust on your prayers in that area. (laughs) Finally, but not the least. It is crucial that we tell people to repent and come to Christ. That's what God requires of us now. It is crucial that we tell people to repent and come to Christ. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, then people said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When is the last time you told somebody to repent? John the Baptist, he came preaching a message of repentance. When you tell your children doing wrong, you tell them to repent. They say, what is that? Begin to explain it. Explain it to them. Repent. You need a change of heart, change of mind. Turn around 
from doing that. Change your evil ways and plead the blood of Jesus over those sins. This is high time for, for us to reacquaint ourselves with the word repentance. Repentance. God is waiting on his people to pray. He's waiting on his people to turn from their wicked ways and seek the face of God. Then he will heal the land. God is not waiting on a protest. God is not waiting on somebody to burn another police vehicle. God is not waiting on somebody to turn over another statue. God is waiting on his people to call out to God, to cry out to God, to look to God, to worship God, to depend on God, to lean on God, and watch God work like only he can do as we trust him to see us through these turbulent times. And all God's children said, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message. Thank you for giving me this message between late last night and early morning and to be able to assimilate it and to write it and to put it together so that your people at least will not be confused, misled, or doing a good thing the wrong way with the best of intentions. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. Help us to take a stand. Father, help us not to be wimpy. Help us to stand and call folk to repentance lest they die in their sins. In Jesus' name, and all God's children say it, amen. You've heard the preaching of the gospel. What you going to do with it? If you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if you're here today and you've left your first love and you want Jesus in your heart, you want to come back to God, you've backslidden, you've grown cold in your relationship with the Lord, the Lord is saying, come unto me, I'll save you. I'll revive you. I'll renew you. I'll restore the joy of your salvation. I'll remove your worries and your fear and your complaining and your excuses. I'll put you on Holy Ghost fire like he did the early church in that upper room. Father, help people now to respond. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. As Pastor Rander concludes this message, let us commit ourselves to the fruit of the Spirit as given to us in the Word of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let us commit ourselves to giving our best service to God in all that we do. For when we give God's way, as His Word tells us, we will receive in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you enjoy this kind of Bible teaching, Please join Pastor Rander at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas.